turn in your Bible, if you would please, to the book of Matthew, chapter number 2. And in just a few moments, I'll begin reading in verse number 1 of the chapter and be reading through verse number 11. Let me say while you're finding your place tonight, Cassie and I just want to say thank you yet again. Thank you, Pastor Neil, for the invitation. Thank you for the wonderful, very, very comfortable room. Somebody went to a lot of trouble to put a really nice basket in our room yesterday, and we're so appreciative for that. There were a couple, were a couple of um, Dr. Neil's latest books in there, and we so appreciate that. We look forward to uh, looking through them and uh, taking them to the Goodwill soon. But... Um, <laughs> Hey, he said what he said about my CDs. Hey, there's no way I could not say something about that. But I look forward to reading those books. I really do. And, and I've already been looking through them. I was looking for the message that I preached this morning just to make sure that it wasn't in there. But we so appreciate everything. Listen, Emmanuel Baptist Church is one of our favorite spots. And I mean that with all of my heart. Uh, we are blessed to be in a different church every week of our lives. This is one of our favorites. We want you to know that. We love your pastor. We love Miss Heather. We love the, the family, and we love the church family of Emmanuel Baptist Church. And we are so appreciative for your monthly support, for your prayers. You know, almost five years ago, now it, was, it will actually be five years in May of next year, I left the pastorate after 22 years to go with the mission board and Emmanuel Baptist Church and Dr. Greg Neal has been with us from the very beginning. And not only with me, but out of Emmanuel Baptist Church have come two of our, of our most faithful, uh, loyal, and I believe exciting missionary families, the church planners out of your church, uh, the Paytons and the Stanleys. And I am absolutely convinced God is going to work through them that even more fruit will abound to your account in the days to come. And we're honored. It won't be long. Uh, the Paytons will be leaving and the Stanleys will be leaving. And you'll have to send us somebody else. We're going to miss them helping them on deputation. So we're praying to that end and we're so appreciative. Well, on the way out tonight, I want to encourage you. We do have a table back there in the corner. I don't know how you can get to it, but uh, the place is so full tonight. But the latest copy of Macedonia's Magazine, Focus on the Field, is there. And you help us with that. You have an ad in the back of the magazine that helps us print this every uh, six months or so. And so please pick one up on the way out. They're absolutely free of charge. And then the CDs back there, I wish I could give them away. They don't give them to me when I record them, so I can't pass along the savings to you. But all the songs I sung today here, they're on CDs back there, the Christmas CD. And then the song I sung this morning, God Gives Again, is on the CD, Someone Somewhere Needs to Hear. And so you can check that out. Miss Cassie will help you with that. I'll tell you this true story, and we'll read our text. I know that many of you, if not all of you, are involved in faith promise giving here. And when I was with you for your missions conference, I preached one night about the fact that God will give through you what he would never give to you. Well, I know this probably makes Miss Cassie uncomfortable for me to say this, but Miss Cassie, uh, she doesn't work. Wow. She doesn't work a regular job, and uh, she is just supported out of the support, whatever comes in every single month to me. Uh, of course, we share that, and we pay our bills, and we go on down the road. But Miss Cassie made a faith promise by faith. 
And this is what she told the Lord. She said, Lord, whatever money I have in my pocket comes from the CD sales, and we also use that money uh, to uh, pay for the gas that we use to travel from place to place. So Miss Cassie, by faith, made a faith promise out of the CD sales. Well, sometimes we'll go to a church and the church is not comfortable with us setting up the CDs and so we don't. That's, that's no problem. We understand. We're all independent Baptists and, and if a church doesn't want to set up our CDs, then we certainly don't. Whatever that pastor says is exactly what we're going to do. And so we were at a church just a few weeks ago and they, they um, uh, didn't want us to set up the CDs and so Cassie made the statement to me. She said, you know, I... I really needed those CD sales this week because I need to pay my faith promise. But nevertheless, I'm going to trust the Lord and I'm going to trust that God's going to send in that money so I can make that faith promise. Do you know it was that very week that we had the largest order for CDs on our website that we've ever had? that we've ever had that very week. Now, that's a great story right there, but do you know who made the order? A deaf Bible college. When I saw the order, I thought, Dr. Greg Neal is playing a mean trick. I mean, almost $150, $200 worth of CD orders from a deaf Bible college. This can't be right. This is a joke of all jokes. But did you know it was true? They sent me an email and they said, Preacher Caudill, we just want you to know we're an independent Baptist, deaf uh, Baptist Bible college, and uh, we can't hear, but we know that you have conservative Christian music, and so we go to churches and we have a deaf choir, and so we turn it loud enough to where it doesn't offend anybody, but loud enough so we can feel the beat and we sign to your music. And that happened the very week that Cassie needed that faith promise to be there. So don't try to convince me that it doesn't work. If God, listen, if you won't buy the CDs, God will send some deaf choir to buy the CDs for us. So we're so appreciative of that. I just wanted to share that. I hope that encourages you with your faith promise in the days to come. Well, if you're able, please stand as we read the Word of God together. Matthew chapter number 2, verse number 1. I appreciate and love this church. I appreciate your heart for missions. I'm just overflowing tonight. I want to say this tonight. I think one of the greatest compliments that I could ever give you is to say thank you for keeping the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is reaching the world with the gospel. I, I was thinking just a few moments ago, Dr. Neal, you were talking about the special Christmas offering. And when, when the preacher first started talking about that offering this morning, I thought, well, that's a great idea. They're getting, to re, getting ready to relocate. They need, they need that money for moving expense. They need that money uh, for the buildings they're going to be putting on the new property. Uh, that's what that offering would go for. But when I learned that the offering was to plant churches in Africa, I thought to myself, that's why God is so blessing Emmanuel Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida. Because this is a church that follows the faith of a man of God that realizes the importance of keeping the main thing the main thing. So I commend you. I applaud you. And man, I'm thrilled to see what I believe God's going to do 
in the days to come. Amen? Matthew chapter 2. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And Herod the king had heard these things. When Herod the king, rather, had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Jesus should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least of among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, Gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. With the help of the Lord tonight, I want to preach on this thought, the message in the gifts of the wise men. Let's bow our heads, shall we, for a moment of prayer. Father, without you, Without your touch, without your presence, I am absolutely nothing. I pray you'd help me tonight. You know I want to be a blessing to my friend, Dr. Greg Neal, Miss Heather, their precious children. And I want to be a blessing to this church family tonight. Lord, if that's going to be the case, I pray that you would cleanse me of sin and self and fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. For I'm nothing without you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Oftentimes, this time of year, we associate these wise men that we've read about tonight coming to the stable where Jesus was born on that first Christmas morning. However, the Bible before us is abundantly clear. According to verse 11 of our text, when they arrived in Bethlehem, Jesus was no longer in a stable, but rather in a house. Therefore, I personally believe it was sometime later, after the initial birth of the Lord Jesus, that these wise men came to worship the Lord. However, I can assure you when and where they came to Jesus isn't relevant to my message tonight. No, it's what they did when they got there that I trust the Lord will use to challenge our hearts this evening in a very, very special way. For you see, the Bible says, according to verse 11 of our text again, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. 
Did you notice that tonight? Whatever you do, don't miss it. The Bible says, And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. Now, this isn't my message tonight, but I have preach inside of me, and there's no way that a man that has preach inside of him can let this go unsaid. If there has ever been a time, if there would have ever been a time when men would have worshipped Mary, don't you think this would have been that time? However, the Bible goes to great lengths here in Matthew chapter 2 to teach us when the wise men came into the presence of the Lord Jesus, they fell down and worshipped, not Mary, but they fell down and worshipped him. They worshiped the Lord Jesus. They worshiped the Lord. Then, of course, the Bible goes on to teach us in the latter portion of verse 11 that a vital part of that worship was giving. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you may give without worshiping, but you will never worship without giving. Amen? The Word of God not only teaches us in the text that the wise men gave, but in great detail it begins to describe for both you and I what they presented unto the Lord. I say that because when we read verse 11 in its entirety, it reads like this. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now let me take an opportunity to write here to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that no portion of the Bible is there by chance. No portion of the Bible is there simply to take up space. I submit to you this evening there is an ordained reason why the Holy Ghost of God inspired the writer to go the extra mile in describing specifically the gifts the wise men presented to Jesus on this day. And therefore, let's address the question tonight, shall we? What is that reason? Why did the Holy Spirit want us to not miss the message in the gifts of the wise men? Well, just by way of introduction to the message, let's consider just a few things about these gifts. First of all, these were fitting gifts. And I say that, and I can assure you tonight, they were fitting gifts because they were not gifts the wise men picked up at the local five and dime while on the way to visit Jesus in Bethlehem. Oh, absolutely not. These gifts were not rejected and then ultimately regifted. No, sir. These gifts were fit for a king. I say that tonight because every single one of these items were very costly items. They were precious items. They were sought after items in Christ's day. These were fitting gifts. They were not only fitting gifts, but they were foreordained gifts. I say that because I believe with all of my heart that God had a very practical reason for using the wise men to deliver the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh to the Lord Jesus. Again, let me remind you, these were very precious. They were very costly gifts. And whereas we are told there were three different types of gifts presented to the Lord Jesus, we are not told how much of each gift was given at this time. In fact, uh, we're not told that there were only three wise men. 
Most Bible commentators agree that when Herod saw these wise men coming, if there were just three, he would not have been troubled in the least. Some commentators uh, go as far as to say the reason why Herod was so troubled at their coming is because there were so many of them he thought his country was being invaded. No, the Bible doesn't say for sure, but we can know this. When God sent the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh to Mary and Joseph at this time, it was enough to take care of the financial burden of raising his only son. God, God is a debtor to no man. God pays his way, amen? And he works through the most unlikely people at times to do it. That's why I say these gifts were fitting, but these gifts were foreordained. But what I want you to notice with me tonight for just a very few moments is this. These gifts were foretelling gifts. And I say that because the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, each of these gifts were symbolic of Christ's life and Christ's ministry here on this earth. Therefore, let's address a few more questions tonight, shall we? What is it that God would have us to see in these three different gifts? What does the gold, the frankincense, as well as the myrrh teach us about the life and labors of the Lord Jesus Christ? What is the message in the gifts of the wise men? Well, first of all, number one, I believe the gold spoke of Jesus as potentate. Let me say it again. I want to say it so loud tonight that every demon and every devil of hell can hear what I'm saying. I believe that gold spoke of Jesus as potentate. And when I use that word potentate, I'm using it much like I used the word sovereign this morning. Because it is a word that literally means supreme ruler. It means monarch. Uh, let me put it like Scott Caudill would put it, uh, having been raised in the foothills of North Carolina. It means he was the one in charge. For you see, ladies and gentlemen, this was no ordinary child. I want you to know these wise men not only believe that by faith, but they also put their faith into practice by bringing him gold. Gold was fit for a king. Uh, this gold was fit for a monarch. The gold spoke of Christ as potentate. And did you know, you read of gold and study about gold all throughout the Bible. There are many, for instances, I could give you tonight. Let me just give you one in passing quickly. Do you realize in the book of Exodus chapters 25 through 38 is described the design as well as the construction of the tabernacle in the wilderness. Its structure and the furnishings of the holy and the most holy. Of course, when you study the Bible, you'll discover in that tabernacle we see the development of the church in our relationship with God the Father through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when we read those accounts, we can't help but notice that many parts of the tabernacle were made or overlaid with pure gold. Don't miss the word overlaid when you study Exodus 25 through 38. The word overlaid means to be covered up. It means to be wrapped up. 
I submit to you there is significance in the word overlaid. I say that because most of the items of furniture within that tabernacle, the common fabrication began with shittim wood or acacia wood. Now that particular type of wood speaks of the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ because it was a wood that would not decay and it was of beautiful grain or beautiful texture and therefore our Lord's sinlessness and our Lord's holy perfection are fully displayed in the acacia wood that we read about in type and foreshadow in the tabernacle. However, that acacia wood many for instances was overlaid with gold that gold are you listening it speaks of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ that is to say the gold spoke of Jesus as potentate in fact the gold overlaid the wood so that one could not see the wood without first considering the gold that overlaid it therefore I would be the very first to agree with you if you were to try to tell me tonight that Jesus was a man. But he was more than just a man. He was more than just a man. Jesus was the God-man. Let me put it like this. I know your pastor has said this time and time again, but you need to be reminded of it often. Jesus was as much God as if he had never been man. But Jesus was as much man as if he had never been God. That is exactly why the Bible says in the book of John chapter 20, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Absolutely. The gold these wise men presented unto Jesus, it speaks of him as potentate. It speaks of his deity. It reveals that after all these years, after all these years, Jesus really is who the Bible says that he is. He is the Son of God. Jesus really is the God-man. Yes, he is. He's potentate tonight. So the gold speaks of Jesus as potentate. Secondly, the wise men not only brought gold to Jesus, but the Bible teaches us in our text tonight that they brought frankincense to Jesus. Now the gold spoke of Jesus as potentate, but the frankincense spoke of Jesus as priest. You see, that frankincense was a gummy substance which came from a certain species of tree. Frankincense was used in the worship in the temple and when sacrifices were offered up to God. It was used in such a capacity because the frankincense released a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. In fact, Exodus chapter 30 and verse 35 reveals that frankincense was identified as a perfume or a confection after the art of the apothecary tempered together pure and holy. Hear me tonight. It was identified as such in Exodus chapter 30 
because it speaks of Christ's life and what Jesus came to this earth to do. I preached about it in the service this morning. I believe we ought to be reminded of it often at Christmas time. The frankincense speaks of Christ's willingness to become our high priest and therefore enter on our behalf into the holy of holies, not with the blood of bulls, not with the blood of goats, not with the blood of turtle doves, but with his own blood in order to obtain eternal redemption for whosoever will come to him by faith for their soul salvation. That's why in the book of betters, the book of betters or the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 9 that Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. I want you to know Before I give you my last point tonight, I want you to know something. Jesus touched blinded eyes when he came to this earth and made them see. But that's not why Jesus came. Jesus, Jesus, brother, if I wasn't so dignified, I'd shout right here. Jesus touched lame legs and he made them walk again. Yes, he did. But that's not why Jesus came to this earth. The Pentecostals and the Charismatics of our day would have you to believe that's why Jesus came. That's not why Jesus came. You say, well, preacher, If that's not why Jesus came, why did Jesus come? Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 declares, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and what? To give his life a ransom for many. You ever study that word ransom? That word ransom is a word that literally describes a payment which in turn secures a release or a redemption. The word redemption means to purchase by paying a price. There was a debt that I owed one day as an eight-year-old boy when I first come to Christ and I could not pay that debt. Good deeds would not satisfy the debt. Church membership in and of itself would not satisfy the debt. Water baptism, as much as I believe in water baptism by immersion, it would not satisfy the demands of the thrice holy God of glory on my behalf when it came to my soul's salvation. But thank God when I couldn't pay the debt, Jesus as my high priest, Jesus paid it all. Oh, to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. But thank God he and his blood washed it white as snow. Oh, and whereas that gold speaks of Jesus' potentate, that frankincense speaks of Jesus as peace. As priest, God sent heaven's best for the world's worst. 
that the world's worst might know heaven's best. The frankincense. The gold. The gold spoke of him as potentate. The frankincense spoke of him as priest. But finally, there's one other gift that's presented. It is the gift of myrrh. And myrrh speaks of Jesus as our propitiation. You see, that word propitiate is a word that literally means to satisfy. And ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly according to the Bible. That is exactly what Jesus did by becoming our supreme sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. By shedding his own blood, he forever satisfied the demands of the thrice holy God in heaven for sin. You see, that in essence is what the myrrh represents. Because you see, when you study about myrrh, you'll discover that myrrh was a fragrant spice used in Christ's day when embalming the dead. You know, I've always found it interesting that according to the scriptures, there were two times when people brought myrrh to the Lord Jesus. The first time, of course, is here in our text tonight when the wise men brought him myrrh. This myrrh speaks of him as being our propitiation. The next time we witness someone bringing myrrh to our Savior is in John chapter number 19. Do you remember the setting? Jesus had shed his blood on the cruel cross of Calvary. It was then that a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus And after Pilate gave him leave, the word of God reveals that he came and took the body of our Savior. So much in fact that verse 39 of that chapter says, And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, listen, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. You see, these Jews believed in a bodily resurrection. And therefore, since they believed in a bodily resurrection, great care and reverence and preparation would have been made to Christ's body at this time. The Word of God gives us enough insight that we may know they would have taken the body of our Savior and prepared for its burial by rubbing it with as much as a half the body weight of myrrh and aloes. Then they would have wrapped it up with linen strips in order to seal it and keep out the air. Therefore, the myrrh, the wise men brought to Jesus not long after he was born. Brother, it actually made a very prophetic statement because the myrrh spoke of Christ's death On the cruel cross of Calvary. One writer said. In the cross we see the dimensions of divine love. The cross is not just the cross of a man. But rather the exhibition of the heart of God. At the foot of the cross stands God. With his arms outstretched. And every man given uh, the cross. Every man uh, driven uh, to the cross. Is driven into the very arms of God. The cross of Jesus is the supreme evidence of the love of God. How can I make this point without quoting Romans 5 and 8 again? 
I realize I quoted the verse this morning. Many of you could quote it with me. I think we should do it. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commendeth just simply means to put on display. God did much more than just say to you, hey, I love you. God exhibited his love. God put his love on display. Someone said that Jesus was asked by one, Lord, do you love me? If so, how much do you love me? And he opened his arms this wide and he laid his life down on the cross of Calvary and shed every drop of his blood so that humankind through him could be delivered from their sin. You see, whereas the gold spoke of Christ as potentate and the frankincense spoke of Christ as priest, the myrrh spoke of our Savior as propitiation. But, but, there's one other thing I want to share with you before we dismiss in prayer tonight. I've always found this interesting. The first time Jesus came to this earth, he was presented with three gifts. We've read about that Here in Matthew chapter number 2, he was presented with gold, he was presented with frankincense, and he was presented with myrrh. However, according to Isaiah chapter number 60 and verse number 6, when the Lord Jesus comes back to this earth to set up his millennial kingdom, no less than seven years after the rapture of the church, Jesus is going to be presented with those same gifts again, with the exception of one. Listen to what Isaiah says concerning the Lord setting up his millennial kingdom here on this earth. The multitude of camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian and Epoch, all they from Sheba shall come, and they shall bring gold and Incense, that's what frankincense is. Gold and incense and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Now if you recall, the gold spoke of Christ's deity and describes him as potentate. Gold was presented to him not long after he's born and according to the Bible, it will be presented to him again because he will never cease to be potentate. He's sovereign. He's God. And besides him, there is no other God. Frankincense spoke of Christ as priest whose life and labor proved to be a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. According to the Bible, frankincense was presented to Jesus not long after he was born and it will be presented to him again because his life and labors will never cease to be a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. However, when you study the prophetic pen of Isaiah, according to Isaiah chapter 60, when compared to our text tonight, there is one gift that is missing. There is gold, there is frankincense in Isaiah's prophecy, but there is no myrrh. Why is there no myrrh? Do you remember what that word myrrh spoke of? The myrrh spoke of our Savior as propitiation. 
Jesus became our propitiation by laying down his life on the cross of Calvary. Do you want to know why the myrrh is missing in Isaiah chapter 60? It's missing because Jesus will never lay down his life again. Jesus well, Jesus will not. I think I'll get over here and rap a little while on this snare drum. Jesus will. Don't you tell nobody I did that. Jesus will never shed his blood again. Can I just say something tonight that makes the devil real nervous? This world has seen the last of the meek and lowly Jesus. When he came the first time, he came as a lamb. But when he comes back again, he's coming back back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Nobody will ever curse him. Nobody will ever mock him. He'll rule with a rod of iron and he'll never, never, never have to die again. That's why they'll give him gold. Because he's God. He's the God man. And he'll never cease to be God. Oh, they'll give him frankincense when he comes back with his bride to set up his millennial kingdom. But he'll never be presented myrrh again because the work, the work has been completed. The work is finished. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he really meant it is finished. He'll never have to die again. He's king of kings. And he's Lord of Lords. And tonight as I stand and preach this message, he's sitting on the right hand of the Father, ever living to intercede for people just like me and people like you. And he's alive tonight. And boy, we ought to worship him like he's alive. And he's never going to die again. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Don't Miss the gifts, the message and the gifts of the wise men. I'm glad I didn't miss it. Would you bow your head with me tonight? Do you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? Does He live in your heart in the person of the sweet Holy Spirit of God? If He doesn't, I want you to know that He longs to. He loves you. He died for you. He shed his blood for you so that you through him could be saved from your sin. In just a few moments, the preacher is going to come and he's going to conclude the service as he feels led of the Lord to do so. But I want you to know that sitting right there where you are tonight, you can be saved. You can pass from death unto life. Now, do I think it would help you to walk an aisle and kneel in an old-fashioned altar and shake the preacher's hand? Absolutely. I think it would be beneficial for you to do that. But I want you to know that you can sit right there where you are and pray a prayer from your heart and mean it from your heart. And God Almighty will hear that prayer. And He'll save you. Can I tell you the day I got saved? The day I got saved, I believe when I took one step out into the aisle, I believe God saved me. Because my little eight-year-old heart, oh, I didn't have the words to say. I didn't know. 
the prayer that I should have prayed. But my little heart was saying, Oh, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I don't want to die and go to hell. And I realize the only hope I have of missing hell is through and by the shed blood of Jesus. Would you come into my heart? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you save me by your grace? And on that day, that's exactly what Jesus did. And I want you to know he's here tonight. He's here in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. If you're saved, child of God, you and I, we brought him with us to church tonight. And he's here to deal with the hearts of those that have yet to trust him. He's here to save you tonight. You might have walked through the doors of Emmanuel Baptist Church tonight lost. But God sent me here to tell you, you don't have to leave that way. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt if you were to die tonight, heaven would be your home. I want to pray with you. Then Pastor Neil is going to come and close the service. But I just want to pray with you right now before he comes. Can we pray together, Lord Jesus? These folks here tonight have listened so well. And Lord, they're my friends. And I thank you for them. Every single one of them. Lord, even those folks I've not had the privilege of meeting tonight, you've given us a very special kind of atmosphere here tonight. And I so appreciate the spirit of unity that prevails here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. So Father, I pray tonight within that spirit of unity, you will bring a spirit of conviction in the hearts and lives of those that have yet to trust you as Lord and as Savior. And Father, I pray tonight. I pray tonight before we would leave this building, we would hear of this one and that one praying that prayer and asking the Lord to forgive them of their sin, to come into their heart, to be their personal Savior. May it be so tonight, my Father. May it be so tonight. Help us, Lord, throughout this Christmas season to not miss the message and the gifts of the wise men. I'll thank you and I'll praise you for it in Jesus' name, preacher.